This is Transmission Interrupted, the podcast series from NeTech, the National Emerging Special Pathogens Training and Education Center. Welcome to Transmission Interrupted from NeTech. Hi, and welcome back to Transmission Interrupted. I'm Jill Morgan. I'm a nurse at Emory University Hospital in Atlanta, Georgia. And I'm joined today by Trish Tetelaren from Health and Hospitals Bellevue in Manhattan. Hi, Trish. Nice to have you back with you. Good to see you again, Jill. Here we go. All right. So we are back to talk about the very exciting topic of personal protective equipment or PPE. Now, we know not everybody thinks PPE is exciting. We've been through this before. But when the alternative might be bringing home someone else's cooties on your clothes or hands or personal devices, we think everyone should be fascinated. Well, Jill, I know I'm excited. Everyday PPE is part of standard precautions. It's been around for a long time. It's meant to protect us, our clothes, and our skin from coming in contact with somebody else's body fluids. Then we have transmission-based precautions for when we know or suspect that someone has something contagious, and those guidelines fill us in on protecting the specific means or modes by which those pathogens move from one person to another. How your cooties get from you to me. Maybe by contact or droplet or aerosol transmission, those cooties move around and they land on surfaces and they're in the air, whatever. So today we're going to talk about when you need PPE for that PPE game for pathogens and diseases that require a higher level of protection and when you need to level up your PPE game. All right, if we're going to go with the gaming model, I might be a little out of my league here, so I might need to phone a friend or something if I get lost. I know, Jill. We grew up in the Pong phase. Let me try to explain it. If I'm playing a new game or I'm up against a basic opponent, I have basic skills and methods to protect myself. Like I can jump over barrels or dodge fireballs in Donkey Kong. This is the standard skills that I need to win the game. If I'm going against a known enemy, going into a boss fight, or whatever term you use these days, this situation may call for specific tools to successfully fight it, like lightning or specific pieces of armor that'll prevent me from getting hurt by that enemy or boss. As you get better at the game, or when you have to face a larger, meaner, or different threat, you may have to level up to be successful. So are we going to get back to PPE anytime soon? Ha! I was just trying to put things in a way young people would understand. (laughs) Okay, so it's true that everyone in healthcare should be familiar with standard precautions. And even for transmission-based precautions, there may be a few differences between institutions on exactly which gown you use or whether you still put people who carry some very common infectious agents, like MRSA, in isolation or not. But otherwise, standard and transmission-based precautions are really the basics for infection prevention. And as you know, I like to get back to the basics. Yes, it is your catchphrase. So when does leveling up need to happen? And will I need a quarter to play? You won't need a quarter, but you need the appropriate PPE. You know, there's several pathogens in the news lately that a healthcare worker is going to need to be aware of that may require a different level of personal protective equipment. The big four in the news in the last few months have been monkeypox, loss of fever, Ebola, and avian influenza. And we're going to start today with monkeypox because there are actually quite a few cases that have made it outside of the continent of Africa and into Europe and Canada and now into the U.S. And that means that a case of this strange-sounding disease could present anywhere 
to any of us anytime. I have to admit, I only learned about monkeypox because of our work after Ebola. I don't think it was included in any of my Ohio courses. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of infectious pathogens out there, and even our infectious disease physician friends may not see a single case of monkeypox in their careers. So for frontline healthcare workers, it's very hard to know much about these diseases, let alone recognize one when it presents into triage. That's why we're going to start with some basic information. You are going to be known as Trish Back to the Basics Tettle. Hey, not a bad name. So let's start with the pox everyone has heard of, chicken pox. All right, wait a minute. Can we step one step further back? I want to explain pox, right? Pox is a viral disease that produces this rash, um, and a sort of characteristic, right? You get the red spot, and then a raised red spot, and then sort of a, a liquid-filled spot, usually clear, and then a pus-filled spot, and then it gets a crust on it. And the crust comes off, and you've got skin underneath. And sometimes it leaves a scar, like it leaves a little dimple or scar there. And it seems to be the same root word as pock, like a pock mark or a dimple on something. Okay, so if we're going to go that far, let me fill you in why pox is an important thing to understand. Lots of things give you a rash, right, Jill? Poison ivy, contact dermatitis, bug bites, measles, eczema, lots of things. Poison ivy has these fluid-filled blisters that aren't filled with poison or even ivy. They're just filled with body fluids as a reaction to this irritation from the plant. I can't spread poison ivy by scratching these blisters. I can't give it to someone else if they touch those blisters. And that doesn't mean it's a good thing to do, by the way, right? Scratching things like poison ivy can lead to secondary infections by getting dirt and bacteria into those open wounds. Anyway, the important part here is that most rashes, the fluid in the blisters is harmless. But that's not true about the poxes. The poxes. Just how many poxes are there? Oh, my God, Jill. I am so glad you asked. There are lots of viruses in the pox virus family. There's monkeypox, camelpox, raccoonpox, and the most famous, or maybe the most infamous, is smallpox. The only infectious disease we've eliminated through immunization. There are several genuses in the pox family, the orthopoxes that Trish was talking about, and several others. And some can cause diseases in humans, and many more cause diseases in birds or animal hosts. But none of those pox are actually related to chicken pox at all. Correct. It's the pox. The pretty distinct rash that makes them similar, but the causative virus is not related at all. And the important part of the pox rash is that what is in those pimples, those little blisters, the clear fluid or pus is actually filled with virus. And this is a pretty dramatic looking rash. In fact, since this is a podcast and I can't show you a picture of the rash, everyone, please take just a moment and do an image search for monkeypox. We'll wait. That's one nasty rash. With lots and lots of copies of the virus in each of those big blisters, this means you could spread it easily. Scratch, ooze, touch, boom, fomite. Yuck. And while the idea of having monkeypox under your fingernails is pretty bad, that's not the only way these viruses spread. You are correct, Jill. They absolutely can spread by direct contact with infectious materials that come from an infected person or animal, but they may also be spread by aerosols and these tiny droplets that can get into our mucous membranes. Right now, we don't have much in the way of treatment for monkeypox, except for supportive care. Although they're vaccines, they're in limited supply. 
So depending on which type of monkeypox is circulating, and we'll tell you more about that later, the mortality rate can be anywhere from 3 to 10%. Even if you have a milder case, you can tell by that outrageous rash, they're going to leave a scar. When is a rash not just a rash? When it's caused by a pox. And that is the first lesson. Well, maybe the first two lessons. One is cover the rash. And two, you need to wear respiratory protection when taking care of these patients. Yeah, so I'm working in the triage area and somebody comes in with a complaint of an itchy rash. They've been working in their yard or garden. I'm definitely thinking poison ivy or something similar to that, not monkeypox. But if somebody comes in with a fever, body aches, just not feeling well for a few days, and now they have an acute rash, I'm putting on my mask and asking what? Pick me, pick me, I know, I know. <laughs> travel history. Right. Now, it's important to note that having traveled recently is not necessary for an exposure to weird infectious diseases. We have a lot of them that circulate all over the United States. That's where the U.S. saw its highest number of cases of monkeypox a few years ago when we brought it into our homes with our pets. In 2003, some people got monkeypox from pet prairie dogs who in turn had gotten it from another small creature that had been imported from Gambia. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just know I have an immature sense of humor, but whenever I hear anything about prairie dogs, I think of that meme where it goes, Alan, Alan, Alan. No way I can explain why that's funny, but if you know, you know. Okay, do we need to send people on another internet search? No, no, please, just back to rashes. Okay, so the first thing to remember is people don't feel well, which is different than most people with contact dermatitis. These aren't well patients who have a rash. They are people who feel ill and maybe have a rash. Yes, please remember, y'all, identify, isolate, and inform. If you are the first point of contact, you want to pretty quickly decide if the person in front of you might have something you don't want. You never have to wait for an official diagnosis to put on a mask or a gown or eye protection. And we hope you're using gloves pretty much all the time or doing some really meticulous hand hygiene. That's another shameless plug for standard precautions. Let's say someone comes in and they have a fever, body aches, and your next question can always be, have you traveled in the last 30 days? Let that just be your standard procedure. We don't know exactly where monkeypox slips in nature, but cases usually come from the equatorial area of the African continent. Yeah, and this current outbreak is hitting Europe. And anytime someone has a fever and a new rash, think about all the infectious diseases that might be. Measles, chickenpox, roseola. There are so many. It's a good time to put on gloves and put on a mask. Do you mean I'm not supposed to poke at someone's rash with my fingers? Please do not poke at someone's anything without gloves on, Trish. I kid. Anyway, I want to get back to monkeypox transmission and our PPE. Yes, please. If you suspect that someone may have monkeypox or any of the poxes, this is a time to level up your PPE. You need gloves, an isolation gown, eye protection, good hand hygiene, and a respirator. These unfamiliar pathogens still need transmission-based precautions, and that means contact, droplet, and if all possible, airborne precautions. Yeah, it's always been kind of weird to me to think of these diseases that cause a rash as also having airborne potential. But when you're infected with some of these particular viruses, 
Its presence isn't limited to where it is on your skin, like poison ivy is. It's a systemic infection that also manifests itself on your skin in these weird rashes. So chickenpox, herpes zoster, or shingles, they both need airborne isolation, and we're used to those. And those rashes will definitely be on your differential diagnosis. Yeah, it can be really hard to tell monkeypox from some of these other things. Like we said, macules, that's flat red. Papules, that's the raised. Vesicles, those are the fluid-filled spots. And then pustules, the pus-filled spots, before it scabs over. Lots of infectious fluids can leak from these spots onto your clothing and your bedding and your pillowcases. All of that stuff can be damp and sticky with infectious material. Wow. Now I just feel like I've been through a nursing school lecture again. Great refresher. But damp and sticky? Great. People with monkeypox, like we said, feel bad. Fever, headache, muscle aches, and swollen lymph glands. So in addition to our PPE, we want to cover the pox rash when possible, even if it's just with a sheet. And you may not be able to cover everything. It's not always possible because the face is not spared in monkeypox. In fact, the rash frequently starts on the face. Although in this current outbreak, many cases have been first seen in sexual health clinics because the rash started in the genitals and groin. So these people, at the time, were concerned they had an STI. So remember, linens used by these patients need to be handled carefully along with the patient's clothing. Now is not the time to fluff somebody's pillow or flap the sheets even if they have a fever and are hot. People who may have monkeypox may not present to your ED or clinic with a rash. The first stages, what we call prodrome, are really common ones. Fever, headache, body aches. One for monkeypox that isn't so common is lymphadenopathy, swollen lymph glands. Important takeaways, we hope. First, be aware. The first step of identifying a patient who might have something contagious is really, really important. Whether it's disseminated zoster or monkeypox, you don't want to be exposed and you don't want these people sent back out to sit in your waiting room. And second, we know you already use your regular powers and tools, taking a history, using standard precautions. What we're asking you to do is to level up those things by adding a travel history and using a higher level of PPE than you might naturally choose before somebody's put in official isolation. Remember, monkeypox is contact droplet airborne gown, gloves, eye protection, and a respirator, not just a surgical mask, and good hand hygiene. And right now, you should be wearing a fit-tested N95 or better respirator for COVID. And monkeypox and other airborne pathogens all fit that same profile. Fit testing is a requirement before you use a respirator for the first time and annually as part of your facility's respiratory protection program. Be aware. Level up your PPE and cover the rash, being careful with dressings and linens from these patients. New pathogens, novel pathogens, things that are common somewhere else, they can present to us at any time and anywhere. And so it could be us that gets to see the next case of monkeypox or some other weird pathogen. So it's really important to take a good history and be mindful of these pathogens and that there are some we might need a different level of protection against. They may not be Stanley the Bugman from Donkey Kong, but this pathogen needs more than what many of us might be using when we see someone with the rash. Transmission-based precautions are great, but if you don't know how something is transmitted, you need to level up. 
you can always level down when more is known. So once we've identified this person who might have monkeypox, what happens next? There's a few things we need to keep in mind. Patient care, of course, that's our priority. These patients may not be as acutely ill as someone with Ebola would be, even though we don't have a lot of data on previous outbreaks. It's estimated that one out of 10 people who get monkeypox may die. So be careful and consistent in PPE that allows you to provide good patient care. That is very important. You might be giving IV fluids, antipyretics, and antiviral medicines. Again, keeping the pox rash covered whenever possible, having the patient wear a mask if they're able, and all staff should be at N95s or higher, a single-use gown, eye protection, and gloves. You know, Jill, now we're going to do one of my favorite things, a little trash talk. Ah, that's my language. Right now, any trash or linens from the care of monkeypox patients, and that includes like used PPE, food trays, general patient care waste, has to be handled as what they call category A waste. But there are lots of details about what if it's this particular type or clade, not that type or clade of monkeypox. Believe it or not, this is just an incredibly complex issue about waste. And Boston just went through all of this with their positive patient. So the safest route for a new facility with a new case of monkeypox would be to sequester or bag and hold their waste from this patient care until you're told what's going on. They either rule in or rule out. And then also, whether it's in the type of monkeypox, these subcategories of monkeypox, that can be handled as either regular medical waste or this special Category A waste. Category A. Like, I have the highest score on this. A. (laughs) Well, if you mean the highest score for dangerous stuff, then yeah. Healthcare workers, we're just used to things having to go in red bag waste, things that are bloody or contaminated with blood and body fluids. Category A is a category beyond that. They're the ones that require special handling, disposal, We could do a whole podcast or two about that. Or three or four. (laughs) On waste tailing, we could do a whole podcast. But for purposes today, just know that everything needs to be contained and separated from regular waste until you're told differently. And please handle things carefully. We don't want anybody to re-aerosolize any of these infectious particles. And like we said earlier, no flapping the sheets or fluffing the pillow. And don't rip your gown off like the Hulk. And no fans. I hate fans in the hospital blowing cooties around a room, even though I personally love a fan on at night. That's because you're old. Hey, hey, hey. Let's recap. (laughs) Number one, be aware. Screening for symptoms should happen first thing with every patient encounter. Number two, fever plus nearly anything else means you don't want what they have. So place a mask on the patient if possible and wear a mask and gloves at least until you know more. PPE for monkeypox or suspected monkeypox is number three, and that's transmission-based precautions. The same as COVID, remember? N95 or better, single-use gown, eye protection, gloves. Number four, if you see pox, cover the pox whenever possible, but please don't try to cover the patient's head and face completely. Number five, place these patients in an airborne isolation room or as close to that as possible. Number six is carefully bag and hold on to the waste and linens until you get confirmation about the pathogen so you can make sure you're handling the trash appropriately. Right now, I'd just like to thank everybody for coming to my Trish talk. That's like a Trish trash talk. Right. 
Trish and I will be back next time to talk about PPE for other scary-sounding, probably zoonotic, no-way-to-remember-them-all pathogens. What should we do next? Mmm, Crimean Congo hemorrhagic fever? Lhasa? Much- what is it, Machupu? Machupo? Machupo? I was thinking maybe next time we could talk about highly pathogenic avian influenza. Boring. Okay. How about plague? Ooh, or Hanta. Then we can talk about Hanta virus pulmonary syndrome. Uh, You know, let's just wait and flip a coin. (laughs) Well, thank you all for joining us today for everything we hope you need to ever know about monkeypox and the appropriate PPE for keeping yourself safe. I'm Jill Morgan from Emory University Hospital in Atlanta, and today I was joined by Trish Tenelaren from Health and Hospitals Manhattan, and we'd like to say thank you for coming back to the basics with us. Ah, you just have to get that line in there. We hope you'll join us for future episodes on a wide range of topics from healthcare worker safety to personal protective equipment and more about infectious diseases of all kinds, common and uncommon. If you have any questions for us or ideas for future shows, please feel free to contact us at info at or you can find us on the web at netech, N-E-T-E-C dot org backslash podcast. That's netech, N-E-T-E-C dot org backslash podcast, where you can subscribe to future episodes and find more information on today's topic. All right, Trish, I'm hoping that you don't have monkeypox in your future. Me too. <laughs> have a good day. Thank you. We'll see you next time on Transmission Interrupted. You've been listening to Transmission Interrupted, the podcast series from NeedTech, the National Emerging Special Pathogens Training and Education Center. Learn more at needtech.org.